This is Oklahoma football. It is Tuesday, November 10th, and welcome to another episode of the Mainline Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Burton, and tonight I'm proud to be joined once again by Mr. Adam Jacquez. Uh, we got an awesome show for, for tonight, recapping Oklahoma's 62-9 win over the Kansas Jayhawks this past Saturday. Adam, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. It's championship November, so... Uh, this is always the best time of the year for the Sooners. Absolutely. Absolutely. This kind of seems like this is when Lincoln Riley and OU really turns it on. Lincoln Riley hasn't lost a game in November since his tenure uh, began as the head coach for OU. So we do apologize to all of our listeners for not releasing an, an episode last week. Adam and I had a lot of things going on with work, had the craziness of the election going on, and ultimately we just decided, you know, what good is it going to do to break down OU's matchup with Kansas when what we thought was going to happen ultimately ended up did happening. Uh, so tonight we're going to break down OU Kansas, you know, kind of recap what's going on going on around the Big 12, around the nation in college football. And uh, finally, it's Masters Week, one of my favorite weeks in all of sports. So, of course, we're going to preview the, the best golf tournament in the world starting this Thursday at Augusta. And Adam, kind of before we dive into that, uh, let's kind of welcome in tonight's guest. Uh, th- this guy's got quite the rap sheet, knowing him all the way back to our ticket office days. Uh, this guy is currently the associate digital strategist at the VI brand up in Oklahoma City, a uh, frequent visitor at your local Cracker Barrel, trusted associate of the Tot Kids, and a former ambassador to the OU wrestling program. And what what I leave oh off, gosh. Adam, unspoken mayor of Edmond. So let's welcome That's in right. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Connor Lyle. Connor, how are you, man? That was quite the introduction. Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited to, to be on with you guys and um, looking forward to it. Yeah, appreciate you sharing some time. Nice to see that you finally got some power back on at your house. It was a uh, it was a rough two weeks. Um, we we were we were up at Rochelle's parents, which um, was was great for uh, you know them to them to host us for for a couple of weeks and and everything. But very glad to be home, to say the least. Oh, so I lost power on I want to say it was Wednesday morning at like. 7 30 and i didn't get get it back on until two o'clock when, when did it go down and when did you ultimately get it back that's a, that's insane dude two weeks yeah so we lost it um the monday that the ice storm hit initially um around noon that day and then we got it back this past weekend late saturday night so we were, we were actually, we were at a wedding, uh, one of our good friends' weddings, and we were at the reception, <laughs> of course, uh, we, we were at the reception, um, and we got the alert, and I about lost it with excitement. I was, I was so happy. Yeah, well, the, like I said, kind of before we dive into, you know, talking OU football, uh, Connor, obviously, you know, you and Adam and I, we kind of met. Um, you know, during our time in the ticket office, three, three incredible years, a lot of memories, a lot of, a lot of good days, a lot of bad days. Uh, but just kind of talk a little bit more about now. Obviously, you're in a new job, new role, new company. Um, so kind of talk a little bit about uh, VI brand and what you're doing right now. Yeah, so um, doing digital strategy for them. Um, so um, working on uh, creating and developing uh, and then executing media plans and different tactic recommendations for digital advertising. Um, I won't get much more into the weeds in that so that way we don't bore everyone, but 
um, essentially do that for our clients. Um, and yeah, been really enjoying it. Very different from the, from the ticket office glory days, but, um, have, have been enjoying it. And then obviously been, you know, working from home the past, I don't know how many months it's been now I've lost count, but, uh, it's been good. So are you in the office at all during the week or is it still kind of a work from home situation? It's mostly work from home. You can go into the office, but you have to, you have to sign up to, to go in, um, and everything. And my, my whole setup's at home. So it's just, it's just easier to, to do everything here. Good. Good. Well, glad everything's doing well. Glad you're enjoying it. Uh, do miss seeing you guys up at 1185 Asp Avenue, but, uh, this, this is pretty cool. Good way to stay in touch. So, well, let's yeah. dive right into it. OU Kansas, Oklahoma knocks off the Jayhawks 62 to nine in dominant fashion. Um, Adam, it was, even though it was a bit, it was a, you know, kind of a blowout win for OU. It was kind of a weird game altogether, whether it was, you know, the lengthy reviews, all the flags, uh, the different injuries, but just kind of, kind of what were your early thoughts after OU's uh, win over Kansas on Saturday? Yeah, there really wasn't a consistent flow to the game, uh, mainly because of the replays. And then as soon as the replay would end, it would be a TV timeout. So it was not a fun game to really sit in the stadium and, and watch. Uh, but I think it was a great performance from the defense. We saw the defensive line, uh, you know, there were so many guys that were in the backfield getting sacks, uh, creating havoc. So I love the effort and, uh, and the growth from the defense game to game to game. It seems to be getting better and better. Offense, I think we'll dive in a little bit more. It was a little bit uh, inconsistent, but overall, uh, love what we're see lo- love what we're seeing as far as where the team is trending. Yeah, I, I think that the defense uh, again over the last four games. Oh, you kind of put out the the illustration earlier today: twenty sacks, thirty nine tackles for loss in the four games. You know, ideally, what OU fans were were wanting to to see when Alex Grinch stepped foot on campus. So, seeing the production that they're getting out of that front seven has been has been outstanding. It's it's allowed them to take a lot of pressure off the secondary, uh, who we've seen you know make some strides over the last four games. I know that it hasn't been the best competition. Uh, going all the way back to TCU, Texas, and now Kansas. But you've got to like the direction that this team is going right now. And, Connor, to kind of, you know, throw this over to you, we haven't really had a chance to um, talk any bit about, you know, kind of what's your overall thoughts on uh, the, the 2020 season right now, these, these first seven or eight games that OU's been through. So kind of what are some of your early takeaways uh, as far as what you've seen from this Lincoln-Riley coach team? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been um, obviously a up-and-down year. Um, I, I think it's maybe not exactly what we expected, but I think um, with such a young team, you're going to, you know, having those bumps early on with, with a couple of, of those losses, um, I think is, is to be expected with a young team. And I, I really think um, not to diminish this season or the rest of this season, but um, when looking at it from a big picture perspective, I think it's all about next year um, for this program and building to that, because I think, year three under Grinch, year two with Rattler at the helm, um, more of Grinch's guys on defense back there. I think that's really our year to make a special run for it. Um, so really excited about that. But to get back to this season, um, like you guys said, I, uh, I think the past couple, two, three games have been great in, in terms of how the defense has looked. Now it's obviously not been against good competition. So I'm really looking forward to Bedlam here in a couple of weeks to not that they're a juggernaut on offense by any means, but against a better um, ranked opponent to see how the defense fares uh, against a, a team like that, especially with a mobile quarterback in Sanders. 
Yeah, I think that this will definitely be the best team that OU's faced, probably the most complete team when you, when you think about the talent on, on all three sides of the football um, going up against a Spencer Sanders who's got the weapons of a Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get some more information le- leading up to the game next week where it um, kind of sounds like he's getting bit by the injury bug. But, uh, again, de- definitely excited to see. that This is kind of going to be, you know, kind of that measuring scale where – um, OU's had three really good, you know, performances uh, over the course of the last month, and now this is kind of where <clears throat> OU fans are really going to be able to see if this team's making those strides, not only on the offensive side of the football, but if this defense is actually for real. So, um, Adam, going starting on the offensive side of the football uh, against Candace, uh, Ramondre Stevenson being back, man, you know, 104 rushing yards, averaging 9.5 yards a carry, a couple touchdowns. You know, we saw what he can do out of the backfield in the throw game also, that one-handed grab that he had off that pass from Rattler. But it, it just seems like it seems like with the addition of Ramondre kind of getting that running game, you know, taking it to a whole nother level, it's just taking the OU offense, you know, to, to, to even greater, um, I guess you want to say not standards, or th- their performance has reached a whole new level with him back in the lineup. For sure. It's a real shame that we didn't get him for the first uh, half of the season to see, you know, how he could have lined up in a, you know, all big 12 race against Chuba Hubbard and, and Brees Hall. So that's, that's really a shame. I think he might end up being the best NFL back out of those three guys though. Uh, Just the way that he never goes down on the first contact Um, that makes the offensive line look so much better and makes the offense flow uh, a ton. I'm curious. uh, I'll, I'll throw this to you guys. Just seeing the gap between Ramondre Stevenson and TJ Pledger, and we we have high hopes for Seth McGowan, but um, he hasn't been able to stay on the field consistently as a younger guy, which is to be somewhat expected. But do you think, I think we all kind of think that Ramondre Stevenson is, is going, gone to the NFL after this year, but do you think that maybe DeMarco Murray's biggest recruiting efforts right now are to get Kennedy Brooks back on the team next year? Connor, I'll throw that to you, man. Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I think it definitely could be, especially if you um, don't land a guy like Wheaton, um, who can probably come in and contribute right away. I think getting a guy like Kennedy Brooks back, who has shown that he can do it for two seasons at the Big 12 level, um, I think that's huge. Um, so, I mean, that being able to have Kennedy as a lead back, um, and then sprinkle in, you know, Pledger and McGowan and uh, and whoever else I, I think would be would be huge. So I, I think it definitely could be. Yeah, I think that, you know, ever since we've seen, you know, Ramondre, you know, rejoin the team, you can definitely tell that there is an upgrade at that running back position, you know, not just with the, you know, the size, the physicality, but also just the production altogether that they're getting from that position. So if you do lose Ramondre this offseason in the NFL, which if he performs, you know, the rest of the year, like he's done the last two games, I don't, I don't see, uh, you would have to make a pretty compelling argument to him if you're Lincoln Riley that would convince him to want to stay in Norman instead of, you know, making, making his jump up to the NFL where, where we've seen, you know, the lifespan on a, on an NFL player at the running back position is, is extremely short. So get your money while you can. Well, well, one thing that we're not really taking into consideration right now is that I believe next year is when the name image and likeness rules go into effect, which basically opens up a stream of income for college athletes. So it's not going to be as much as what some of those guys will get in the NFL, but it might make them have a little bit more pause when they're making that decision. You know, Hey, I can come back and have a chance at a national championship and 
you know, nav- places like Navigate Research, a well-known research firm in the college industry, are saying that players could be making somewhere between five hundred thousand to a million dollars off of uh, their name, image, and likeness. It's not the same as NFL money, but <laughs> I mean, to get a championship and make some money is a pretty yeah. good deal. Do Do you trust the NCAA to kind of have all of that ironed out though before next year? Because that's that's my <laughs> thing. And and if you're in his situation, do you want to trust? the NCAA getting something done where we know kind of the reputation that they've got right now. We've seen that the last couple of years, but um, I mean, and I think that that only, that applies, you know, not only just to Ramondre, but also look at a guy like Creed, uh, Creed Humphreys, Ronnie Perkins, guys that are going to have a decision to make at the end of the year. Do you want to take that next step and go pro or do you want to come back? And we've, you know, all three of us have been talking about it for a while, but 2021 has kind of been in the year that OU's had, you know, pinpointed, uh, circled as being a really good chance for for OU to win it to not only make it to the playoff but also compete and win win a national championship. So if you do get Ramondre, Ronnie Perkins, Creed Humphrey back, we all see the talent that's coming in each and every year. Connor, you mentioned Grinches. This will be his third year in the system with his guys. Uh, sky's the limit for OU in 2021. So um, I, I could see it both ways. I hope Ramondre comes back, but. Um, again, it's it's probably going to be pretty hard to uh, uh, once an agent gets in his ear and tells him, you know, all the great things you can do, all the money you can make. Uh, but definitely want to see Ramondre back in back in Norman next year. Um, Adam, to kind of hey, throw, the, or yeah, one, go ahead. One thing I was I was talking about with some people this weekend is uh, who does Ramondre Stevenson remind you of? Because he is he is so unique in his size and just that he just doesn't get tackled on the first, first hit ever. And what do you think about like a Marshawn Lynch comp? That's what I was on the tip of my tongue there, beast mode. Yeah. Adam, I'll let you run with Marshawn Lynch. My, my immediate thought, just because he wore the same uniform was, was Samaj P Ryan. It, it seems like, it seems like Ramondre is a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic than, than Ramondre was, or than, than Samaj was. I think Ramondre gives you uh, more, more possibilities, more things that he can do out of the backfield. But uh, I think he's a bigger, more athletic version of, of Samaj Pirine. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I still think Marshawn Lynch, he kind of looks like it with the, with the hair kind of matching up. But um, the speed and physicality that he brings, uh, I feel like that's the best comparison that I can give. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's a really good comparison somewhere. Candace Vaughn comparing it to Marshawn Lynch. She's smiling somewhere right now. But uh, Ramondre, he, he had another really good performance this past Saturday, and th- that kind of takes us, you know, over to uh, the, the quarterback position um, go- going into the game. Uh, Spencer Rattler's made some really good strides over the last couple weeks, some back-to-back really good performances. And we kind of saw, I don't know whether it was playing down to the competition. It's Kansas. You don't know how up for that game they were going to be, but you did kind of see some, some freshman mistakes throwing the ball back across the field, given going back and watching it. I think, you know, Rambo kind of gave up on the route. Didn't, you know, didn't give his quarterback much of a chance, but kind of what, what were your thoughts, Adam uh, Spencer Rattler, the post Kansas game? Yeah, hopefully he uh, has learned his lesson on how to run the ball. Uh, He needs to, uh, not uh, not necessarily avoid all contact, but I would feel a lot better if he was taking care of his body more. Uh, and then also, I, I just don't trust his ball security running yet either. So I uh, would love to see him get down on the ground more often and not take those big type of hits that he did uh, when he scored that running touchdown um, because it definitely affected him and we can't really afford for, for that to happen. I, 
I don't think that there's an answer behind him with Tanner Mordecai. So Chandler, really Morris, need... <clears throat> Chandler Morris is your second best quarterback on the roster right now. He is. Uh, I agree with that, but he's also very inexperienced. So um, still just would rather rather just take care of himself and not put him, uh, the team in that position. And Connor, I know that you you had a, had a wedding to go to, but I, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. I don't know what Spencer was doing on that play where he injured himself. It, it was almost like he met the defender at the goal line and decided, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to juke the guy out, run him over, but he kind of just turned his back to him and the uh, defender popped him in the hip. So I, I don't I don't know what is what he was doing on that. Yeah, it's, it's not like that was right in the corner of the end zone either. That's what I didn't understand is it looked like he had room to just sprint to the corner and beat the defender to the spot, but instead he sought out the contact, which I don't think the coaches were probably too happy about, especially since he injured himself a little bit. But, um, I mean, fortunately, it, it doesn't seem to be too major, um, and I don't think he would have stayed in the game if, if it were. Um, but it was still a little <clears> – <throat> I didn't love seeing didn't love seeing him out there with a, a little tweaked hip there. No, not at all. And going back, watching the TV broadcast broadcast of it, listening to Todd Luganville, you would have thought that Rattler was going to have to have his leg amputated in, during halftime, the way he was talking about it. So uh, that, that kind of kind of transitions into kind of the next question that I have, and, and Adam will kind of throw it to you. All during the TV broadcast, that that score put OU up 31 to three towards the end of the second half. And in in a situation like that where you're the dominant team, that game's over, you're up 28 points, second half, give the opportunity to a Tanner Mordecai and a Chandler Morris to get some of those quality reps in. That way, later in the year, if you do get into a situ situation where you've got to rely on that second and third string quarterback, uh, they've got a little bit more confidence and, uh, and more comfortability doing it. Um, did you agree with Riley kind of leaving him in there, or would you have pulled him at halftime? I would have pulled him. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know that he would have been able to injure his hip more than he already had, which seems like it's just a bruise. But uh, his immobility, uh, his you could definitely tell when he ran on and off the field, he was struggling to move. Uh, and so I wouldn't have wanted to put him out there where maybe he couldn't protect himself against some other type of injury happening. So that was something that I didn't really agree with. If you want to get you know more rhythm and reps, fine. It seems like Riley uh, came from the, I mean, obviously he coached under Bob Stoops, but Bob would always do that too, where he wouldn't pull his guys until it seemed very late in games, which was kind of frustrating. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen uh, Mordecai get a lot more run. And Connor, I kind of, to, to throw this to you again, we haven't really had a chance to talk to you too much uh, about the early part of this football season, but uh, we've been spoiled as OU fans over the last few years. You know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler, Jalen last year. We've been pretty spoiled at the quarterback position, being able to watch some pretty elite guys uh, in number one overall draft picks. But kind of what have been your thoughts uh, on the Spencer Rattler show? I, I think he's been everything that he's hyped up to be, um, especially as a guy coming in as a uh, – obviously a redshirt freshman, but – coming in his first year starting, um, taking over a program like OU when you're following the likes of Baker, Kyler, and Jalen. Um, I think the expectations for him were probably too high coming in just because, like you said, Tyler, the quarterback lineage that we've had, we've been, we've been spoiled. Um, earlier in the season, after our first couple losses to uh, K-State and Iowa State, um, I was saying we, we should apologize to Jalen Hurts um, for the, the talk that we had about him last year. And you know, he wasn't great, but 
he, he was good. And that just speaks again to how spoiled we've been. But I think with Rattler, you know, you're going to have to live with the mistakes. That's part of growing and learning in the position. You look back to Baker Mayfield's first year starting at OU, he wasn't nearly the player he was by year three. Um, and I, I think it's just part of the development, part of learning the system, game reps. You can only simulate so much in practice. Um, so I, I think he's been really, really good. Um, and I, I think he's just going to keep getting better as the year goes on. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think that that's a really great point. And one of the things that the TV broadcast did during at the very beginning of the Kansas game was they put up the, they put up the numbers side by side of Baker, Kyler and Jalen's first year in the OU system as a starting quarterback. And all three of those guys, you know, whether it was, whether it was Baker who had experience from, from Texas tech, Kyler had some experience at A&M sitting for two years behind Baker at OU. And then obviously we all know about Jalen, what he did at Alabama, but Spencer's Spencer's numbers were just as good, if not better, than all three of those guys throughout his first six or seven football games. And the fact that he is a redshirt freshman, this being his first, you know, true test of starting experience, you've got to feel really good. Um, sky's the limit for this kid. So you are going to have some growing pains, Connor. You're absolutely right. Um, that that's to be expected. But you know, he he's only going to continue to get better and more comfortable in the system. And Adam, we. We, we saw the uh, we saw the injury to Austin Stogner again. It looks like that's another bone, bone bruise situation. I think that the bye week comes at an absolute uh, perfect time when, when you've got Oklahoma State on the other end. Um, what do you think of Jaden Hazelwood, dude? Seeing him back out there that that was definitely something. You know, two three months ago, I didn't expect to see him on the field this entirety of the the twenty twenty season. Yeah, he looks the part uh, physically, um, the way he runs, uh, his range, and being able to catch the ball. I think he's got some moves to after, after the catch. So I think he's one that's pretty exciting to, you know, to get back on the field. I'm tempering my expectations, just knowing he's coming off an injury. He's just now getting back uh, into the rhythm of everything. But, um, but I, I do, I've been hesitant to crown Theo Weiss the next go-to guy because he just seems to disappear for long stretches of games. Uh, and he's not really the, the guy that Radler's looking to uh, in most, in, all clutch situations he has in some situations, but seems like Stogner is, is more that guy. Uh, but I think Hazelwood could become the next, you know, CD lamb type of guy. He, he just looks a lot more similar than, than anybody else that we have on the team. Yeah. I, I think that he's, um, and again, kind of w- once he gets some more reps, more game experience, getting back under his feet, um, he's an upgrade at, at that position. Drake Stoops, he's been, you know, he, he's been probably other than Marvin Mims, our most consistent, uh, you know, re- receiver, um, th- throughout the first six or seven games this year, so the 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 fact that you're you're getting Jaden back um, b- before this last three game stretch that that's only that's essentially that's that's only another tool for Spencer to play with and for Lincoln Riley to kind of game plan for. So, um, Connor, we've we've had there's been a lot of talk on this podcast, especially the last few weeks, um, about Charleston Rambo. Um, coming into the year, a lot of expectations. We've seen what OU's done, not only at the quarterback position, but what they've done recently, the success they've had with receivers with the D.D. Westbrook, Sterling Shepard, Hollywood Brown, and uh, D.D. La- – or, excuse me, and C.D. last year. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what you thought, what your thoughts are on um, on Charleston Rambo because he's kind of, kind of been underwhelming this year. Yeah, um, I mean, I think we've just learned what – I think the coaches probably already knew he's just not a one um, in terms of your, he can't be your top receiver. Um, I mean, 
looking at the talent that we have at that position, I'd say he's probably our fifth best receiver um, behind Hazelwood, Weiss, Bridges, and then Mims. Um, and it's just, <clears throat> I, I also think part of it is um, the way that they use him is, is not to his strengths. You know, he's, he's not a guy you should be throwing screen passes to. Um, he's not shifty. Um, he's, he's a good deep threat. Um, and you can throw him like short crossing routes and just allow him to run. But um, so I think part of it is, is putting the coaches, putting him in better position to succeed certainly, but um, yeah, he's, he's been, he's been disappointing this year. Um, hopefully he can, he can turn it around as we go into the latter half of big 12 play. And Adam, we've seen, go ahead, go ahead. I was yeah, going to ask. I will say it's it's a little disappointing just considering that he had over 750 receiving yards last year. And I know a majority of that came against Houston, South Dakota, and UCLA. Uh, but we've played some not-so-great teams, and he still hasn't shown up this year. So um, that is a little a little bit uh, surprising. And hopefully, uh, hopefully he can find a role and figure it out. Maybe it's not at OU next year, but um, if that's the case um, – that's the case for him and hopefully he can find somewhere where he can succeed. Yeah. And, and I'm not at all worried about the rotation at the receiver position. Like you mentioned, you've got Theo Weiss, Marvin Mims. Now that you've got Jane Hazelwood back to go along with Austin Stogner, that's a pretty solid, you know, starting four to throw out there and then factor in, you can, you can rotate a Drake Stoops, a Theo Howard in there. I would like to see Mikey Henderson, maybe get a little bit more run in that slot position, maybe some jet sweeps, um, cause I think that the upside for him, I don't think he gets enough credit or talked about enough, but, uh, uh, and, and again, that kind of, that, that puts OU kind of back on track again. That's their fourth straight win. Um, a lot of momentum going into Bedlam biggest game of the year, kind of one that we saw, uh, scheduled early on, but before the year even kicked off. Um, but Connor kind of what are some of your early thoughts on Bedlam? Um, that, again, this is probably, Mike Stoops is, you know, on paper, this is his best defense. He's got the most skilled position talent you could probably argue in his entire tenure. So what, what are your thoughts uh, for Bedlam? Mike Stoops. Does I say Mike Stoops? Yeah. Oh, my, no, 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 no. <laughs> Mike, Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy. My God. Sorry. Uh, no, I know. Um, I, you know, I, for one, I, I hope everybody's healthy um, on, on both sides. I hope Rattler and Stogner are good to go. I hope, Tylen Wallace is good to go. Um, you want you want to see both of those teams at full strength going against one another. Um, if we've been forcing defense has been forcing some turnovers the past couple of weeks, Oklahoma State's a team that you should be able to continue forcing turnovers against with how loose Spencer Sanders is with the ball. Um, I, I think it's really going to come down to um, stopping Chuba Hubbard, and if we're able to do that then I, I think we, we win the, we win the game by a couple touchdowns relatively handily. Um, you know, I think Wallace will certainly give us some problems. Um, but I think if we're able to force a couple of turnovers, which we should with, with, with Sanders, um, I think we should be in good shape. Yeah. I, I again, kind of, it's kind of cliche to think about, we always talk about it for OU Texas, but it seems to me like, the, the battle at the line of the scrimmage is ultimately going to determine, you know, who wins this football game. And this is probably OU's best, you know, not only their best defensive line, but you probably could make the argument that this is their best front seven that they've had in the last decade. So uh, stopping the run is is huge, first and foremost. You, you've, you can't let Chuba run wild. And if you're really able to stop the run and force Oklahoma State into some, you know, third, second and long, third and long opportunities, 
that's when you can, you know, kind of allow Nick, uh, Nick Benito, Ronnie Perkins, Perrion Winfrey to, you know, get after the quarterback, force Spencer Sanders into some really bad situations. And that, that's only going to make the, uh, the play of the secondary. It's going to take a lot off their plate. So, Adam, what are your thoughts on Bedlam this year? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a whole episode next week to really get in depth, but it feels like two teams going in different directions right now and OU's on the side that's going up. So I think that's that's pretty interesting. And it seems like it seems like a typical Mike Gundy team that gets hyped up and talked about and performs well in certain situations. And then when the pressure is really on to actually make a difference towards the end of the year, they uh, they end up slipping. So that's just kind of my initial thoughts, though. Yeah, well, again, this will be the best defense statistically that OU's faced all year. So it'll be a really good test to see if OU really has kind of turned that corner and become the the really good offense that, that they've shown um, on the field the last four weeks. So, uh, but again, really, really excited uh, for, for Bedlam. It'll be OU's, uh, I guess what? This is Bedlam's, what, first night game in Norman in how many years? What, uh, Mike Howard? First night game ever for Bedlam. Ever in Norman, yep. And Stillwater's had, what, close to 10? Uh-huh. I think it's like six or seven. Six maybe. or seven. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be a little bit more of a different atmosphere. Only twenty thousand people, but um, kind of looks like it's shaping up to. We might actually have college game day there this year. So it looks like that's the best game on paper. You'd think so. Ohio State Indiana is a pretty solid one, but I would think that ESPN would want to do an ABC game for game day, so they're not pointing to a, a Fox broadcast. Yeah, I I didn't even think about that. Well, it, it's a it's on ABC though, for for that. Yeah, night. yeah. Well, I, I think I think Penn State, Ohio State, or, or uh, Indiana, Ohio State might be on Fox. So that's okay. why okay. the case for putting it well, in Norman. It'll yeah. definitely be nice if it ends up coming true with you know Herbie and Fowler calling the game. I know that we've been uh, we've had a had a few doozies last few weeks with McElroy and Tim Brando and all them. So it'll be nice to actually see some. Uh, uh, a good dynamic duo, I guess, would, would be the best best way to put it. So it'll be fun to see that. But uh, again, Bedlam, six thirty kickoff next weekend. Uh, excited for that. Can't wait for it. And let's kind of uh, make the transition over here to, to to the Big Twelve roundup. Kind of some of the other games that went on this past weekend in the Big Twelve. And there were some really good games uh, around the Big Twelve uh, th- this past weekend. Um, Oklahoma State goes on the road to Manhattan, knocks off K State twenty to eighteen. Uh, kind of a sloppy game from start to finish, but uh, exactly what OU fans needed to have happen for K-State to take another loss. That helps OU out in the in the race to make an appearance in the Big 12 championship. Uh, down in Austin, Texas escapes with a 17-13 win. West Virginia really kind of blew that game. They had to settle for two field goals uh, down in the Texas red zone. Uh, had three turnovers on downs on the Texas end of the field. So Texas definitely lucky to escape with a win on that one. Uh, TCU, Texas Tech, TCU rolls 34 to 18. Not, not really much to say about that one. And Iowa State, who was uh, down a couple scores to Baylor early on down in Waco, uh, Iowa State comes back and knocks off the Bears 38-31. And Adam, this uh, again, we've kind of touched on this the last couple of weeks. There's, there's a lot of scenarios in place, a lot of things that OU has to have happen, a lot of help needed for them to kind of sneak back into the Big 12 championship day, game down in Arlington. So what's it looking like right now as far as what does OU need to have happen for them to get where they want to go? Yeah, I really think, you know, looking at uh, next week's game, Iowa State, Kansas State, if Iowa State can, can take that one, OU's looking in really good shape. It seems like the, the sea is parting for OU to head down to Arlington for another Big 12 championship game. Uh, it just seems like things always work out for this team, uh, knock on wood. 
But uh, it's interesting. You look at OU with two losses. Texas also only has two losses, but probably four or five uh, mental losses uh, for, for Texas right now. But talk about two different teams on two different tra- trajectories with the same record. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and Connor, kind of to throw this to you, if OU wins out, they essentially need one more loss from K-State. K-State still has to play Texas, still has to play Iowa State. Um, so it, the, you've got to think that there's a pretty good chance of that happening. And so essentially if that does come to fruition, OU's going to end up playing the winner of Iowa State, Texas. So Connor, as an OU fan, who do you want OU to play in the Big 12 championship game as it, as it comes down to it? Because we've already played the three teams that it could potentially be. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always fun beating Texas. So, um, if you can, if you can guarantee a win, um, then I think you definitely want Texas, but, um, Sam Ellinger for all the flack that he gets, uh, that dude, that dude's a competitor. So, um, I know he would, he would not go down easy, uh, without a fight. I I think that the easier path to victory is going to be Iowa state. Um, and that would avenge a loss. So, you know, I, I don't think you can really go wrong either way. I'm honestly, I think OU is at this point clearly the best team in the conference. Uh, we're we're playing the best ball. Um, we're I think going to be playing our best ball even more at the end of the year. So um, I hate to say it, I don't think it would really matter, but um, I, I think I think the Sooners will take care of business um, regardless of who it is. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And Adam, am I too far? Is this too far out there? Where I would almost rather play Texas than Iowa State, and here's why. Iowa State's always given OU the most trouble um, because they play a really good, really good scheme on defense. Uh, they don't have the same caliber of athletes as Texas does, but I think Iowa State has always given OU problems. And also at the same time, too, you look at what Brees Hall has the ability to do at the running back position. And then my, I guess first and foremost, my, my biggest reason is Charlie Kolar. Tight ends right now giving OU the biggest, you know, kind of, thorn in their side when you talk about Buki at that nickelback position him not really being great matchup cover. well five nine versus six six I, I like my odds I'm throwing it 20 times to five nine State. man that's very generous to Buki but um I I'm I'm a believer in the Buki redemption game uh so I I want Iowa State um you know that's one matchup on that team where OU is probably going to win the other nine or ten positions on the field in most cases the talent discrepancy between Iowa State and OU is is massive. Whereas if you put Texas on the same field, yeah, Texas has a lot of mental challenges that they have to overcome, a lot of culture issues they have to overcome, coaching issues. Uh, but when the talent is so close, if not you know slightly leaning towards Texas, uh, give me Iowa State. I like the odds better in that situation. Well, like like you said, Connor, if you can guarantee a win against Texas, I'll take that every single day of the week. So. Uh, let's, that kind of wraps up the Big 12. Let's move on to the National uh, College Football. There were a couple games uh, th- this past weekend that uh, you know really caught everybody's eyes. Everybody was excited to see. Clemson-Notre Dame. Notre Dame shocking the number one team in the country, 47-40 to in double overtime. Um, it, guys, any, any thoughts on that uh, as far as um, you know, Trevor Lawrence not being in play? Does that you know, diminish the win for Notre Dame or um, still a big-time win for that program? I think it's still a, a big time win. Um, you know, no Trevor Lawrence, but DJ Uwe Ungalele still had a really fantastic nice. game. Nice. 
Uh, well, everyone's been saying it nonstop. Of course I can pronounce it, but I probably still wasn't even perfect, but, but yeah, I I thought, you know, there were a few plays, especially in overtime where he held onto the ball and didn't get it out to where he needed to, but, but otherwise he put Clemson right there in a position to win. I think he had over 400 yards passing. So, um, you know, credit to Notre Dame for, for still coming through, uh, even with uh, Clemson having a few key pieces missing, um, I, that really shapes up well for the ACC because I don't know who else is going to beat one of those two teams. And I, I don't necessarily think Notre Dame's going to be able to, to beat the Clemson a second time in Charlotte. So they're looking really good for two teams in the playoff right now. Yeah, um, exactly what I was going to say, Adam. I don't think Notre Dame can beat them again with Trevor Lawrence, certainly. Uh, I mean, I think he makes a huge difference for him. And then if you're the Pac-12 or a, a group of six school that thought maybe you might squeak in this year, that was your worst nightmare. Cause now, like you said, that's, <clears throat> they have all the, all the argument in the world to, to get two ACC teams in there. And we're not even mentioning the likelihood of two SEC teams potentially getting in there. So um, yeah, it's, it's looking good for them. Clemson has the perfect excuse. They can blame, blame COVID uh, not having Trevor Lawrence for uh, their one loss on the year. Yeah. And Connor, I think that's a perfect, or Adam, do you have something that you wanted to tie onto that? Well, I'll save it for when we talk about the playoff okay. uh, in a minute. Okay. Yeah. Cause Connor, I thought that was a perfect segue. And again, Florida knocks off Georgia 44 to 28. Florida is now in the driver's seat in that sec East. looks like it's going to be an Alabama Florida matchup up in Atlanta for the sec championship, Indiana, just obliterates Michigan. I don't know how much longer Jim Harbaugh is going to be in Ann Arbor. I don't know what the buyout is, but six years in, in that program, he has not delivered, hasn't beat Ohio State. I think he's one in four, one in five against Michigan State, and that's what they brought them in there to do. So um, Pac-12, they've got all sorts of problems right now, especially with COVID. Doesn't look like they're going to play maybe five, six games this year. So right now, to to kind of throw this, we'll we'll let you start off with this, Adam, but. How how's the college football playoff committee going to go about deciding that four team? Because it looks like you are going to have, uh, if we think that Clemson beats Notre Dame, you're going to have both of those teams with a with a one loss. Um, look at two SEC teams. Uh, Texas A&M looks like they're going to finish the loss hopefully with one year. Um, what if Florida beats Alabama? Then Florida's got one loss. Bama's got one loss. Then, like you said, you've got all these group of six teams: um, BYU, Cincinnati, Marshall. What's what, what's the, what's that gonna what Liberty what? Liberty oh, undefeated God. shout Top out Liberty five Liberty <laughs> is is Liberty ranked ahead of OU I haven't looked at the entire uh they're like four or five spots, spots behind. behind yeah yeah Couple spots but shout out Flames dude on the road in Blacksburg taking out Virginia I was gonna yeah. say you have you have your three guaranteed playoff locks you've got Bama Ohio State Liberty and then who <laughs> who slots in to number four. Well, Adam, I want to ask you this. Uh, put Ohio State and Liberty on the same field. What's the spread on that game? What's that open up at? Probably 29 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. ser- seriously, what, that, that's going to be a heck of a decision that they're going to have to make. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be vying for that fourth spot. Yeah, I think, you know, A&M is looking as solid as probably I've ever seen them. Um Maybe Johnny Manziel in his freshman year, they were, were this good or maybe slightly better, but I'm not sure where AM is going to pick up a second loss from. Auburn seems to be trending a little bit upward right now. They just blasted LSU. 
who knows what LSU is at the end of the year. If Miles Brennan can get back, maybe they can win a shootout against AM, but I'm not holding my breath there. So I, I just, the SEC West is not tough, as tough as it used to be outside of Alabama. So I'm not sure where they would pick up a second loss. I don't really believe that Florida can beat uh, Bama in the SEC championship game. So AM's looking like they're in great shape for that second place team. Uh, I think really, if you are a group of five team like a BYU or a Cincinnati, where you're wanting to, to find a, a place in the playoff. And both those teams have really wrecked pretty much everyone they've played. I think especially Cincinnati, they look really good. I think they are definitely deserving of a chance to get in the playoff this year, but it seems like you're more, and obviously you're not hoping for this to happen to anyone, but maybe the best path to that is someone like Ohio State has COVID issues and they miss three or four games and then, you know, you can't really put them in at that point. But I guess what my question is, and, and Connor would love to hear your response on this, how, what are going to be like the measuring points for this? Is it going to be the eye test? Is it going to be the resume? Is it going to be, you know, commonality amongst opponents? Um, obviously, you're not going to get anything like that when it comes to Liberty, BYU, Marshall, Cincinnati. But what, Connor, what, you know, what, what would be the most important thing to you when deciding between all those teams? You know, like we've never dealt with anything like this in college football. We've we've never dealt with anything like this in the world um, since we've been alive. So, um, but like, it's it's going to have to be a combination of things because you take a team like Wisconsin, for example. Like, say they go five and zero, six and zero during the regular season, and they win the Big Ten championship. What do you do with a six and zero, seven and zero team? that's undefeated big 10 champs versus a 10 and one Texas A&M or, or I guess it'd be nine and one Texas A&M or just comparisons like that. It's like, well, they played four less games. So, so how do you, how do you compare that? Um, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I'm not envious of, of the folks on the committee. That's for sure. But, um, th- there's a lot of interesting scenarios that could play out. Adam, you mentioned, um, you don't think Florida can beat Bama which I would tend to agree with you, but, but if they do and you have a one loss Bama, one loss Florida, one loss A&M, you've got a whole mess on your hands, plus a potential one loss Clemson, one loss Notre Dame. So I, it's good. It's going to be a wild end of the year. And that's not even considering any PAC 12 teams, which I, we probably don't have to. (laughs) I think that's right there. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. And we'll kind of transition over here to our betting card segments. Um, Adam, dude, five and zero last week. Five and zero going up to uh, nineteen and seven on the year. I finally got back in the in the, in the pot. As you yeah, as you lick your fingers, nicely done. Uh, I finally got back in the positive side, going three and two, almost back up to 500, 13 and fourteen on the year. Uh, but let's kind of you know look ahead up here to week eleven. We've had some games canceled. It's kind of a not as strong of a slate as as what we've seen the past few weeks, but. Um, Connor, kind of what we do here is we we pick five games against the spread over under, and kind of what what are the five games that you feel most good about? So, um, Adam, let's let's start with you. What's what's the first game that you got your eye on this week? Yeah, this one's going to be tough. We've already had I think three or four cancellations or postponements of games today, so hopefully everything on my card here is still here by Saturday. Uh, but first up, I've got TCU at West Virginia. Uh, the over under is forty seven. I'm going to take the over. Both teams are surrendering a combined 46 points per game. So that seems just about right. But 
Uh, both teams are scoring uh, 57 points per game on the other hand. So um, I like the way TCU has, has rallied to, to score the ball after the, the matchup against OU. They've, I know they've played Baylor and Texas Tech, but um, they've, they've found some offensive success there. And then West Virginia, on the other hand, uh, has one of the best running attacks in the nation. So uh, I like the over on the 47. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I've got that as one of my picks also. Um, you, you listed out all those reasons. Per, uh, really good, simply for me. 47 points, that's way too low for a Big 12 game. Um, so, again, TCU, West Virginia, I'll take the over on that as well. Uh, Mr. Lyle, what's uh, what's the first game that you've got if you were picking? Yeah, well, after I had to adjust my picks for picking a couple of games that have been canceled because of COVID, um, the, the, the first one that I had on my list is um, kind of taking a shot with uh, Oregon minus 10 at Washington State. You know, we don't know a lot about the Pac-12, but um, I feel good just overall um, with how Oregon looked last week and then just the direction that um, Mario Cristobal has that program heading. So um, I, I think they'll take care of business um, at Washington state pretty handily. Really good. Really good. I like that pick Adam number two for you. Yeah. SMU, a, a road underdog at Tulsa two and a half point dog. Uh, I'm taking SMU to cover that. I know Tulsa has been really good this year and really solid, but uh, just really favoring the quarterback in this battle here with uh, Shane Bouchelle and the weapons that he has. Uh, he's got a great tight end and, and Kyle Grantham. So uh, like their ability to just outright win that game. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a really good pick too. Uh, for, for my second one, uh, I'm going to go over to the ACC Miami uh, plus two and a half at Virginia tech. I grabbed this one as saw as I, as soon as I saw it come open on the board um, to me, the wrong team's favorite in this game not just because Virginia Tech's kind of been struggling this year, having a loss to Liberty at home last week, which Liberty's a, a good football team, go Flames. But uh, Derek King, firefighter that they've got on that offense, you're giving me two and a half points in a game that I think Miami could win outright. So give me the Hurricanes plus two and a half in Blacksburg. Yeah, um, I, I like that, Tyler. Um, Adam, on the SMU Tulsa game, I, I like that pick as well. I, I have that on mine. Um, over under set at 64 for that game. And while it's high, um, I expect just points um, out the wazoo for that, for that game. So I'm, I'm taking the over on that. What was the point total on that Connor? 64. 64. Very nice. Very nice. Adam, what you got for number three? Yeah. Just, just like you just mentioned, Tyler, I have Miami as a two and a half point dog on the road at Virginia tech. Uh, going to Blacksburg right now is not all that scary. It, the The rules in Virginia are allowing maybe like 50 to 100 fans in the stadium. So it's just not it's not all that intimidating. Uh, I believe it's a, a noon start there as well. So um, I like uh, Miami to, to win that one. It, it gave me a little pause at first. I'm wondering if Vegas knows something I don't because it seems almost too obvious. But um, give me Derek King in the matchup against uh, Hinden Hooker. Um, both very good running quarterbacks, but I, I like what Derek King brings to the table better. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So n number three for me, um, I'm going out to the Pac-12. <clears throat> UC or excuse me, Utah traveling out west to UCLA. UCLA uh, is a three and a half point underdog. Uh, I know that UCLA lost 48-42 uh, to Colorado last week. Utah hasn't played a game yet this year. They were supposed to play Arizona last week but that was that was canceled unfortunately for covid 
And if you guys have been kind of paying attention to the news, Utah has been hit pretty hard this week with COVID, um, just barely being able to field a 53-man roster. Uh, their head coach came out yesterday and said that they've had to they've had to pull up some walk-ons and some scout team guys just to get first-team reps. That's how depleted they are. So, uh, give me UCLA plus three and a half against Utah. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. That is a that is a bold pick. Uh, I mean, I, it sounds like everything is going in UCLA's favor as far as roster availability. But no, that's what I'm saying. UCLA is a three and a half point underdog. Uh, I'm picking UCLA to cover that. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying. I think that's a bold pick, though, considering that you know if both teams were completely healthy, you know that would be a no brainer to take Utah. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I totally, we'll <laughs> totally agree, totally agree. But uh, with with COVID hurting hurting Utah as bad as it is, uh, we'll see if Chip Kelly can't put something together. Putting putting your faith in Chip Kelly is always a dangerous a dangerous play <laughs> at this stage. Oh. Um, for for my third one, um, I have Indiana uh, minus seven and a half at Michigan State. I I really like the way Indiana's playing. Uh, football this year I think those players love playing for Tom Allen Uh, I think he's doing a great job with that program and um, I think Michigan State is still just kind of figuring themselves out you know under a new coach Uh, and I I just I think Indiana's going to take care of business yeah I I think that's a really good pick yeah I like that I don't I don't understand Michigan State like they just walloped Michigan but have looked pretty bad against everyone else I, I don't understand that um, for my next pick, I took Wake Forest, their 13 and a half point dog at UNC. I've been burned twice this year by betting for and against UNC. I don't know why I'm going back to this well, but uh, Wake Forest is averaging 37 points per game. They've, they've got some offensive weapons uh, for sure with uh, Sam Hartman leading the way. I think this is probably a, a higher scoring game um, and maybe a backdoor cover, but I don't know that UNC can, can be Wake Forest by two touchdowns. That that was one that I kind of kind of stayed away from. I, I think the North Carolina they're going to score as many points as they want to. Um, if I was to touch that game, probably do the over under. But uh, th- that's a good, that's a good pick. Wake Forest puts up a lot of points. Um, we'll see if they can stay within within two touchdowns of Mac Brown's team. So uh, number four for me, back to the Big Ten. Um, I've got Ohio State traveling to Maryland. Um, looks like they're a twenty eight or twenty nine point uh, favorite in that game. I'm actually going to take Ohio State first half to cover 13 and a half points against Maryland. Um, I think Ohio State, they jump on them quick, jump on them early, and kind of put that game away in the first half. So uh feel pretty good about Ohio State, 13 and a half point cover uh, against Maryland on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to have them up two touchdowns in the first half. Um, I'll, I'll stay in the Big Ten there with you. Um, my next pick, I have Wisconsin minus four at Michigan. Um you know, I think Wisconsin is after everything they've been dealing with the past few weeks is going to come out fired up and ready to play. And I think Michigan, just as a program, is in a tailspin. Um, you know, if if Jim Harbaugh can't can't get that thing figured out there, I don't know who can. But um, I, I like Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, for my last pick, I went uh, to the depths of the group of five with a matchup of Rice at Louisiana Tech. Rice has only played two games this year. 
both of them against pretty bad opponents, middle Tennessee state, they lost by uh, 10 points. And then they, they did beat uh, Southern miss pretty badly, but Southern miss has, has been a coaching carousel. I think they're on their third head coach. Uh, they're on their second interim head coach so far this year. So I don't really take much stock into that, but uh, Louisiana tech, a, a one point favorite at home. I like them to be able to cover that, especially after Louisiana tech showed that uh, they were able to beat uh, UAB, which is one of the better group of five teams uh, last week. So uh, give me the Bulldogs. You know, Adam, I've questioned your non-Power 5 picks for like the last couple of weeks, but you burned me every single time. So we'll uh, not, not going to question you on that, not especially after going 5-0 last week. So uh, not, nicely done, La Tech minus one. For my fifth and final one, I'm going to go to the SEC. I had a couple SEC games like yourself, Connor, on the board originally before all the COVID thing happened and postponements, you know, got handed out. So uh, I'm going to go up to Oxford, Ole Miss, favored by seven points against South Carolina. Um, South Carolina, um, you know, kind of got their ass handed to them by A&M at home a couple or last weekend, losing by four touchdowns at least. So I think Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, that that offense, I think that they'll score a bunch of points. Don't trust South Carolina's offense to be able to keep up with them. So uh, give me the Rebels to cover by a touchdown. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay. I'll stay in the SEC there with you. This last one is <clears throat> kind of a kind of a dart throw for me um, with how well Florida's been playing, but. I like Arkansas. Um, Florida's favored by 17 and a half. I like Arkansas to cover that. Um, mainly with, I just, I, I really like um, Felipe Frank's revenge game. Uh, I think he's going to come out fired up, ready to go. Uh, so I think Florida ultimately ends up winning, could by, be by two touchdowns, but I think Arkansas keeps it, keeps it within striking distance for a while. Yeah, I think that that's a really good pick too, especially coming off the big win against Georgia. Um, big moment for for a letdown here for for Florida. So yeah. I, I think I, I think that that could be a surprise pick that not a lot of people uh, could see happening on Saturday. But I think that's a good one as well. So um, th- that kind of rounds out our betting cards. We'll get those posted, uploaded. Um, we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. See if I can catch Adam. See what Adam or see what Connor can do as the uh, guest picker for the week. But that takes us uh, up to Augusta, Georgia, for the Masters this week. Tiger Woods, the defending champion. Um, Connor, I know that you're a, a big time golf fan. Adam, you you keep in touch with it. Also, play a little bit. Um, this is my favorite week, not just in golf, but in in sports altogether. It's it goes OU Texas. In, in life. So OU Texas is number two. Uh, you know, got, you know how much we love that, but the masters is number one. It's four straight days of coverage, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, you're figuring out a way to watch it some, some way or another. So Connor to k- kind of kick this off with you, why is the masters so special, but a comparison, not just to all other golf tournaments, but all other sporting events across the world. You know, it's, it's probably a little hard to speak to um, not having been there, um, but just, Growing up as a kid, it was always my dad wasn't a huge golf fan, but he always made it a point to, you know, watch the Masters um, and and just kind of grew up knowing like this is this is the mecca of golf. And in a lot of cases, the mecca of of sports in some ways. Um, And I've just, you know, you hear so many stories from from current players, former players about so many unique things um, down there that are even non golf related. about Augusta National and just seems like a, a really special place. And um, yeah, like you, Tyler, I'm really excited. It's uh, it's Masters Week. The, there's just so much more to it than just the four rounds of golf, like the, the pageantry around it. 
Um, you know, Magnolia Lane, you know, seeing the videos every single year, the guys going up and down. It's beautiful. Hopefully we have a chance to catch that at one day. Um, the beauty of the azaleas, I know that the tournament being played in November this year probably isn't going to look, you know, the azaleas aren't going to be blooming. Not going to see those around some of the more, you know, iconic holes at that course. But uh, Champions Dinner happening tonight, Tiger Woods hosting, pretty good menu uh that, that they put Saw out that. too so tiger was mm. big fajita guy so a little fajita action oh, yeah. yeah so b- big fan of that and like i say getting everybody together all the past past champions really cool thing honorary star starters doesn't care doesn't matter you know what what's going on i set my set my alarm clock for 6 a.m every thursday of masters week i want to see jack and uh jack and uh gary player used to be arnie rest in peace love seeing them hit the tee shots to kind of get it going and just just watching it every single year, thinking about you know the historic, uh, the, the the moments and the players that have been on that grounds. You know, going back, looking at you know Bobby Jones, uh, Seve, Jack, uh, you know Tom Watson, Arnie, Faldo, all the all the uh, all time players that have you know stepped foot on those grounds. And then you've got the moments like Tiger's chip in on sixteen a few years back, Jack's putter raise where he won it for the final time. There's just so much, so much that goes into that. It, it goes into this week. And as a, as a golf fan, how can you not be excited about it? So um, let's, let's kind of just kind of dive into kind of the field here. Um, starting with, I guess the defending champion Tiger Woods last year, you know, coming back 18 months after, you know, spinal fusion, fusion surgery, couldn't even get out of bed. Probably the greatest comeback in sports. Uh, being able to win the Masters and capture his 15th tournament or major championship. Adam, can Tiger, do you expect much out of him this week? Can he repeat or uh, we'll, we'll just kind of see what he does? Well, you always hope that he can be competitive there for uh, for the lead, but he hasn't finished in the top 30 all year. So I'm not holding my breath. Um, we do have to remember that uh, he's in his mid 40s at this point. So it's tougher and tougher every year to to expect him to really uh, challenge uh, for that green jacket. Um, but I would love to see a repeat from last year. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. Connor. Um... Yeah. Kind of, kind of same thoughts as Adam. It's um, every golf tournament I watch with tiger in it. I'm always hoping that he's able to pull some magic out um, from his younger days. But I, I think those, those moments are sadly uh, probably going to be a little more far and few between at, at this point in his career, but um, certainly has a chance. He knows the course better than anybody. Um, but no, I think the clear favorite is Phil, uh, for sure. <laughs> no, I, we'll, we'll see. Like, like I said, he's he uh, always seems to find magic here, and um, I'm I'm not putting Tiger on my card as far as like who I would pick this week, just because you know, like you said, Adam, he hasn't been performing too well over the past year. But you know, kind of what we see across sports, and you know, all these different all these different athletes, Augusta is always one of those things where. Tiger can always find magic. He's got so much success there, knows that course like the back of his hand. So not going to put him on my, you know, favorites list, but I definitely uh, would not surprise me to see him, you know, making, you know, being in contention on the back nine on Sunday. So uh, we'll, we'll see what Tiger can do uh, as he tees off early on Thursday morning. Probably the biggest storyline going into this week, like you said, you got Tiger defending, you got Rory going for the career grand slam, no fans, or excuse me, no patrons. I would have just gotten kicked out of there. Weather's going to be an issue. But I think that the storyline going into this week is what can Bryson DeChambeau do to this golf course? There's been so much going into it. The fact that he hits the ball, you know, 350 to 400 yards, which I think it's going to look very similar to what Tiger did back in 1997, where he just overpowers the golf course. Uh, so, Connor, what uh, what do you expect from Bryson? Is it his tournament to lose? 
I mean, I think, I think you'd have to, you'd have to say that um, with, with him coming off such a great year and having so, so much success recently. Um, I, I, you know, you get concerned with, you know, he can, he can hit the ball 400 yards, but uh, it's not always straight. And you, you need to, uh, at Augusta, you need to set yourself up for success with your approach shots. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I think it is probably his tournament to lose, but um, say that with a grain of salt, there's so many, so many top guys up there that um, could easily go and snatch it. Yeah. And he, he kind of outlined everything earlier in his press conference today. One of the reporters asking the question of, you know, what, what have been the club selections that you've had um, for approach shots going into every single one of these holes. And just looking at it, all these par fours that are across Augusta national Bryson said that during his practice rounds, he doesn't have anything more than a nine iron in all these greens, you know, 80% of it, he's hitting sand wedge. And then even on the par fives, you know, Connor, you can, you can just speak to how, you know, crazy this is. Par five, 570 yards. He hits driver seven iron. Par five, 510 yards. He hits three wood, seven iron. Number 15 goes par five, or he goes driver nine iron in the practice round. I mean, that, that's just such a, it's such an unfair advantage. And again, around Augusta, you got to, you know, you can drive the ball as far as you want to, but you got to be able to chip and putt. But when you're giving him nine irons and wedges into every single green, that's just, that's just an unfair advantage. Yeah, it sounds like me at Westwood. Um, pretty, pretty similar courses. Um, but no, it's if he's able to keep the ball in the fairway um, all four days pretty consistently, um, I think guys are going to have a hard time beating him, especially if he's knocking down putts at a relatively consistent rate. Um, he's, he's, he's bound for a good weekend. Yeah, and, and especially we are going to have weather coming in, looks like, all four days. So the fact that he can drive the ball so far, and not just drive it far, but the fact that he can carry it, upwards of 375 yards that's going to be uh that's going to be a massive advantage going around augusta national so uh kind of a fun question here adam will throw it to you um if you could play in a foursome at augusta with three other tour players dead or alive who would round out that foursome for you adam yeah i think you gotta go with tiger uh first and then phil mickelson uh, just for the humor level and then uh, i'm gonna cheat a little bit and say peyton manning for my third one uh, and so in this situation, I am replacing Tom Brady uh, in that foursome that we saw earlier this year. Checks out. Oh, and uh, yeah, and the golf uh, level that I would provide would be <sighs> still probably worse than Tom Brady, but not too far off. Bet the Bucks wish you could have replaced him against the Saints last night or two nights ago. So maybe. Uh, <laughs> Connor, who do you got for your uh, rounding out your foursome in Augusta? Uh, for me, I'm going to steal uh, a couple of Adams, but I would for sure go tiger. Um, and then I would go Phil. Um, you both know how much I love Phil Mickelson. Um, and then finally I would go, uh, Justin Thomas. Well, th that's the three that I originally had Connor. So I'll kind of change it up a little bit. Tiger one for sure. Yes. Um, Phil, just the creativity, his short game around the greens, not to mention he's a huge trash talker. Uh, that would be fun to see. Uh, I had JT on mine. Um, I'm going to throw Bryson in there just because I just want to, I just want to, not for, not for anything like, you know, like he's such an accomplished golfer, but I just want to see it. I, I want to see somebody up there that can just step up on the tee box and hit the ball 400 yards. So Bryson probably be one for me. If you go back in the past, give me Jack Nicholas, fact that you can play with arguably two of the greatest golfers of all time. So give me, give me Tiger, Phil, Bryson, JT, if, if, if he's available. Um, Connor, favorite hole. At Augusta National. 
Mine is the par three sixteenth. Um, I I love that hole. There's so many. When I think of Augusta, I think of I think of that hole. There's so many iconic shots that that happen. Um, a lot of hole in ones you see happen on that on that hole, um, and that's that's always a big one. Whenever it seems like a leader is trying to hold on to a lead or needs to make a big birdie putt, that's that's the hole that you need to capitalize on. So um, that's that's the one I think of when I think of Augusta. I'm in the exact same boat, par three, 16th. It's it's most iconic hole on that course, in my opinion. I guess you can make the argument for the other par three game in corner. Uh, but again, like you said, every time I think of Augusta, I think of the 16th hole. I think of Tigers chip in back in 2004, 2000, 2005, I guess is when it was. Um, but yeah. so, so many iconic moments. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, Adam, what do you got for favorite hole at Augusta National? Yeah, mine is number 12. Uh, I just love the the way that looks uh, between the two iconic bridges there. And um, it's kind of secluded. There's no crowd or fans around it. And I know there won't be any uh, or patrons, there won't be any patrons around at all this year. But I, I just love how that one stands out. It's it's like you're just there sitting alone watching one guy golf. I think it's pretty special. Well, it was definitely Tiger's favorite hole last year, considering the other four guys he was in contention with all put it in the water uh at the on the back nine on sunday so well guys let's kind of let's kind of wrap it up here um uh, no, no we need to get out of here uh give me you guys your your top three get your your three players going into this week going into this week that you think have the best chance uh best chance to put the green jacket on on sunday afternoon so Con- connor uh, go ahead and give me your three dude yeah um i like i like jt to um take on the green jacket uh, I, I think he's just been arguably the best golfer, um, all year, uh, past few years, just been so consistent. Um, and I, I think he's due, due for one of these. Um, uh, and then I, a couple other guys I like, um, that I'd take shots on are Xander Schauffele. Uh, I think he has been playing really well. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before he gets his first major. And then um, young guy, Matthew Wolf, I like as well to um, maybe not be, you know, a top five, but I think he, he could, he could make some noise for sure. Re- really good. Like, like all three of those, Adam, who you got uh, three, three in contention for this weekend. Yeah. The three I'm looking at uh, first, I think you got to go with Brooks Kepka. He's been on a tear over the last couple of years, finished second last year. Uh, finished 11th the year before at the Masters. So uh, I feel like he's he's right there uh, with the ability to, to uh, win this one. Um, then secondly, uh, I've got uh, Tommy Fleetwood. Love the hair. He hasn't, ha- <laughs> he, he hasn't had as much success at the Masters. I mean, he's still finishing in the top 40, um, both, uh, I guess, two out of three years that he's he's competed. But um, just feel like he's he's there within striking distance, but I think my favorite is going to be John Rahm. He's he's had back to back top ten finishes uh, in Augusta, and so uh, I think this is the year that uh, he gets over the hump and, and takes uh, takes the green jacket. All three really solid picks. Um, I think my my pick to win it this year. I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley. Um, I think that he's probably other than maybe John Rahm, he's the best player in the world that doesn't have a major at this point right now. So he, he always shows up, finished top five uh, in both the U S open and the PGA the last two majors of the year. So expect him to do really well. He'll be in contention on Sunday. Uh, number two for me, Bryson, really excited to see what he's going to do um, overpowering this golf course. If he's truly able to perform like he did at the U S open uh, and make some putts on these greens, I think he runs away with it, but can he actually do it when the pressure's on? 
Uh, number three for me, Tony Finau. He was in contention last year. He's always he's pretty consistent in, in the majors. He he's finished in the top twenty. Uh, I, I want to say eight out of the last ten majors that he's played in, he's been in the top twenty. And we saw he made it in the final pairing last last year with Tiger, uh, having a chance to win it. So give me Xander, Bryson, and Tony being the uh, the top three uh, for for me this upcoming weekend. And uh, dude, that, that, that kind of wraps it up for us, guys. We'll we'll kind of get out of here. Connor, appreciate you taking the time, hopping on with us. Uh, it was fun. Um, it was fun, Adam, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, you got anything else for before we kind of get out of here? No, uh, I'm just excited for another uh, packed weekend of sports. I know there's not going to be as much college football, but uh, thankfully we have the Masters to uh, to supplement that. So I appreciate you you coming on, Connor, and, and giving us some great opinions and uh, some golf expertise. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for us. Again, Masters this upcoming weekend. Tees off bright and early on Thursday morning. Uh, can Tiger defend? Can Rory complete the career Grand Slam? We're going to find out. It's going to be fun to watch. And then, like you said, Adam, uh, a lot of good college football this weekend. Wasn't the slate we originally thought we were going to be getting before all the COVID postponements, but uh, OU's got a bye week prepping for Oklahoma State here in two weeks. That's the biggest game of the year on that schedule. We'll dive into that a lot more next weekend or next week. Uh, for for the next episode of the mainline podcast but again connor adam appreciate you for joining us uh this this is always fun always one of the best parts of the week for for me and uh again appreciate all of our listeners out there go follow us uh on twitter at the mainline pod one uh give us uh give us a rating give us a comment subscribe always love hearing back from you guys on ways that we can uh, improve things we can add uh but again for tyler adam and connor i appreciate you guys joining us for another episode of the mainline podcast